Welcome to season two of the Do More Good podcast. They gave us a second series. Oh, don't tell anybody. You need to kind of just go fast and seize those opportunities. We have no access to any kind of finance whatsoever, but I am drowning in brown <laughs> If your people aren't lined up behind why the change they're trying to make is important, nothing happens. What's the difference between work and home life? It doesn't mean you have to be on 24-7, but you have to be receptive to inspiration. Okay, here we go, James. Episode number 23 of the Do More Good podcast. How are you? I am good, Kenneth. And you are looking a sexy bastard tonight with your new glasses. Stop it. Yes, that's right. I am wearing glasses for the first time today. And I'm not actually enjoying the experience, I must admit. It's a bit strange. Yeah, well, they look good on you. It's a good job this is uh, audio, isn't it, rather than video. (laughs) But, but we yeah. match, so we've got, we've got we very do. similar glasses on tonight, which you'll see from the photos. We do. Um, so Other than the glasses, you well? Yeah, I'm, I'm really good, thank you. Uh, yeah, busy, busy couple of weeks, coming up to the end of January. Had a really good January, actually. No booze. So we very are good. once again sitting here with an alcohol-free beer, which, you know, it, I actually don't miss it. I think, I don't know whether that's a bit of a this, bold statement. This and is how it happens. <laughs> I know. This is how it and begins. Whether, whether I will live to regret that statement. But at the moment, I think the first week was a bit hard. But now, like, enjoying waking up, having more energy, having more time with the kids, having more time to exercise, no hangovers, yeah. more money in my pocket. At the moment, the benefits are far outweighing yeah, what I mean, they I were Yeah, I hate myself in the evenings, but I love myself in the mornings. The mornings. <laughs> it turns around. Yeah, yeah exactly. Definitely. How have you yeah. been? I am um, I'm fairly terrified, as I was right. just telling you. I have been sort of press-ganged, bullied into comparing a comedy evening at my daughter's school uh, next week. So one, by the time this is released, that will have already happened. I will have already died on stage. Oh I thought it was just turning up, introducing the proper comedians. But I've been firmly informed that, no, I have to be funny as well. <laughs> so, so do you want to try out any of your oh material? Well, uh, luckily, I saved all the cracker jokes from Christmas. So I've still got them. But the, the Dad's Curry group, who we've mentioned before, have bought up lots of the tickets. But they're still available. So um, let's hope none of our listeners turn up well i think we I'll might get you know a few. next time yeah, yeah exactly well we're here for another episode we've got a, a very exciting and an old friend of mine here with us tonight so in today's episode we're lucky to be joined by roberta luca roberta is a serial tech entrepreneur having launched several startup businesses in the uk after moving here from her native brazil in 2005 She's the co-founder and chief brand officer at BAFTA-winning games business Bossa Studios. She has a team of 90-plus people based in London, and she's really helped Bossa from grow from a zero to a multi-million dollar business, which is absolutely amazing. And then they're now amongst the top 1% top-forming UK startups in terms of annual sales. Not only that, she has also been awarded a number of accolades. She's now grimacing like hiding behind a microphone. She has been voted in the Forbes Top 50 Women in Tech, Top 35 Women Under 35 by Management Today, and the Top 30 Women in Games. She's also a huge tech advocate, and she's always keen to help young entrepreneurs shape the future with tech and have a higher impact on the world, which I think is partly why we we got her along today. As a founder who succeeded and failed, she really loves nothing more than inspiring more women to help shape the future, which again is a, is a great story. So she's got a, a new love, a new a new passion for hers, which is a, a YouTube channel, which we've both been watching over the last few weeks. And she's hoping that she can use that channel to not only share the message of entrepreneurialism, but also hopefully inspire the next generation. So 
after that huge introduction. What an intro. <laughs> Welcome, Roberta Luca. How are you doing? I'm very good. I'm blushing now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's uh, yeah, and what an introduction. I know, I know. Well, luckily, I did rip off some of that off your website, so I didn't write oh, it all good. myself. <laughs> <laughs> so you must have wrote it, or someone else did. I've noticed there weren't any spelling mistakes in that as well. So yeah, clearly you've stolen that from somewhere. Right? Yeah, ac- absolutely. So Roberta, let's. If you don't mind starting at the beginning, we want to kind of today's episode is to talk obviously a bit about your journey and hopefully go on to a little bit more about your YouTube channel. But would you mind telling us or talking us through your your journey to being a successful entrepreneur? How did all that start and how did you get here? Yes, I, okay, so I'm Brazilian. Yeah, I have been here for just over 12 years. I, I remember the way that I got here was by actually just trying new things in my life over and over and over again. So I am a computer scientist by training. And when I got to university halfway through, as I was learning how to code, I realized that I could not be a coder for the rest of my life. That I actually had to create something new with that coding. And I went to work in very large organizations, uh, including Global TV, which is the second largest commercial broadcaster in the world. Brazil is a very big country. <laughs> and from there, came to the UK and worked in Nokia, virtual luxury division of, of, of Nokia at the time. And I started to find a pattern that I was in these large corporations and worked briefly with Kenneth as well. And I was understanding that everything, there were a lot of very old systems going on and, and traditional ways to do things inside these companies that everyone was happy about that, apart from me and a couple of people in the organization who really wanted to change something. And then I found myself very recurrently uh, being given the most odd and hairy and quirky and strange projects to take forward and to change something very fundamental in the organizations. And I think it tapped into this, you know, this creation level inside me and the rebel inside me. And I was like, wow, this is pretty amazing. And now, at some point, I was like, okay, I think now I'm prepared to take on an adventure of my own and try to do this outside of a big organization and start something from scratch. So would you say that that was one of the key traits that you notice in entrepreneurs, these people unhappy with processes that aren't as good as they could be, that you can't handle the fact that something could be improved? Definitely, definitely. I think there are two types of, of entrepreneurs. One is the one who's, who's deeply annoyed with something that it's a big problem in the world or a big problem in their lives, right? And the other one that's actually very much opportunistic, that they see something, they see an opportunity to make money out of something or a trend or a new, new uh, uh, consumer behavior. And they're like, okay, I, I have the means to, to, take, to create a business around that. So, I, yeah, definitely. You've done how many businesses now? You've started four. Four businesses. Yeah. How many have you done, James? Uh, I'm I'm still on the, the first one. <laughs> yes, on the so first one. Yeah. We're comparing comedy shows. Yeah. Um, so you've done four businesses so far. Some yeah. which have gone better than others. I'm sure yes. you're 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 <laughs> quite freely admit. But what have been some of the the big lessons that you you've learned along the way? I think the biggest lessons are that you're gonna fail a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot. Like, so many more times than you imagine, right? I'm, I'm like Generation X, almost millennial, right? And every time that I talk to millennials, and I'm, I'm millennial by heart, 
I see that I feel that there is this contradiction that they want to succeed very rapidly, but they also have a very low tolerance to failure because they grew up and I somehow grew up as well in this bubble that you like, you believe that everything is possible. And then your parents tell you, oh, you can do everything in your life. And then you get to work and, and your boss or your company says, you have to choose just one thing. And then that is a massive conflict. And then when you choose just one thing, or if you don't choose anything, you actually put yourself to failure until you learn and then you make different mistakes in the future, right? So you learn from the mistakes and then you keep going. So I think, I think one of the things that I learned a lot is to kind of be a little bit more tough skin, mm. increase my resilience, be able to failure because that's the process for you to get to succeed eventually. Mm. It's interesting you talk about millennials and Generation X because it just twigged something in my mind. I was listening to a podcast recently that was talking about modern day parenting and you know James and I have both got young children at the moment and it was talking about how kids are now being brought up to not play outside until they're a lot older you know and I live in a small village in, in rural Cambridgeshire where the chances of anything happening with my daughter being out playing are tiny I mean the, the minuscule yet I'm still and we are as a society more conscious of looking after children not letting them fail at anything protecting them as much as we can and actually, the point in this podcast, and it was from a, a, a clinical sociologist, I think, he was talking about, you know, we need to go back to how our parents did it, where they let us make more mistakes. They let us, you know, go out and experience the world. And that point of resilience came up as, as one of the main reasons to do that, because the mental health issues that we're seeing in young girls and young people nowadays and that generation is quite concerning and worrying. That's exactly right. The problem is that when you, when you grow up in this in this blob, which is the internet, right? Mm. I call it a blob. It's like, to me, it's a giant, <laughs> messy, jelly, inter, interconnected blob. You are isolated from, uh, from failure because it's very easy for you to acquire new knowledge and feel really good about that. Yeah. But then when you put that into practice, that's when you're going to face failure because everyone fails when you start doing something new, right? And so if you, don't, if you have not built your muscle uh, to have higher tolerance to frustration when you fail, you end up not trying hard enough and, and, and giving up too soon. And then just kind of being flaky and going to do many different things in your lifetime without really making something until you succeed on that. Do you think that throughout your journey of these, these four companies, do you think you've changed in your, uh, your resilience through that time? Or did you, have you learned that as you've gone? Are there any other traits that you, you noticed about yourself now that you didn't have before? Or do you think you always had those within yourself? Yeah, no, massively. I learned a lot. So I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm almost a millennial. So I, I, was, I was probably very spoiled as well. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, why, why is this not working first time? should have worked. I saw the vlog with your mother in it. Wasn't there yeah. a vlog with your mother in it? She definitely <laughs> yeah. cuddled you when well, you were it's like, My mom is a high achiever. So it's like I, I was, it was very growing up with her at, at home and being a working mom. She divorced from my dad when I was, when I was six. So I was like, wow, women can be amazing and I can be Wonder Woman. But actually I was seeing that, but I, I didn't know how to practice that. So definitely by making, creating new companies, my resistance level, levels increase. But also other practical aspects, right, which are finding the right people to work with you. When you are in an organization and you're not like, you know, yet in a position of creating a new team inside the company, you don't have 
enough knowledge of how to build the right team to achieve something you want to achieve. And so very early on when I was starting Bossa, I hired a lot of mini-me's, which is totally wrong to do, right? You you want people who actually complement your skill set. Yeah, you want to fill the gaps rather than extend the, your yeah. strengths, right? Was it, in terms of skills, yes, maybe, but culturally, you need a nice mix of people that are going to get on and work together towards yeah. a common goal, right? So it's very difficult to find that group of people. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's like you need to connect on the values. You need to collect, uh, co- connect on the value sense. You need to connect on the purpose of the company or of the product that you're creating. But in terms of the practical skills, skills yeah. you need people who, who don't know how to do the thing, no, who know how to do the things you don't know. Yeah. So you need to increase massively your self-awareness and massively your your the humble side of you to say, okay, I know this thing a lot, but this thing I'm rubbish at that. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting thing you're talking about recruitment and also about having failed and what you learn. So having failed at something, you don't then start from zero, that you start with the knowledge you already have. If two people were to come to you and one person has failed three times at trying to achieve something and, and someone else hasn't, you might on paper think, well, I'll just I'll go with the person that hasn't failed three times. Right. Whereas actually the more sensible thing to do is flip that on its head and think that person's failed three times and they know a vast amount more having done that than the person who's always succeeded in whatever they've done. Exactly. And, and it's uh, why you want to assess as well is if the person has a growth mindset. Because if they if they failed multiple times, but they don't demonstrate that they actually learned. Yeah, well, yeah <laughs> like, I'm a cheerleader know, for the failures Keep on here. failing on yeah. the same thing over and over again, then uh, then it's worrying. But definitely, definitely, I, I I would always pay more attention to people who have failed because if they put into practice the learnings, that's pretty amazing. It's yeah. that narrative that we've that we've all become so accustomed to, though, haven't we? In, in traditional storytelling, you know. The traditional hero has to go through some kind of difficult journey to ultimately achieve what they set out to achieve at the start. Yeah. But it seems, going back to your point about, we've, we've almost lost that journey element yeah. in today that people expect to get from hero status very quickly and not have to go through that up, ups and downs of the journey. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah. Sorry, got off on a bit of a No, no, no. I, lo- I love that. It's totally, it's the hero's journey. Yeah. Mm. That's uh, that's the most practiced, what's it called? Arc of story, right? Yeah, yeah, in yeah. In films. Absolutely. And it's pretty amazing to watch it. But yeah. in real life, you don't want to be the hero. You don't want to be <laughs> <laughs> The hero's gonna go oh, through James, difficult times. He does have a Superman outfit at home, but he only puts it on at the weekend. Yeah, so. I mean, I think I think my Nadir is gonna come on that comedy night, so I'm gonna have to, you're gonna build me back up after that. That's for sure. So you're running your company at the moment. It all seems to be going extremely well. What does what does an average day look like for you? I spend most of my day in front of my laptop. Very boring. Yeah. Well, I spend most of my day. So I wake up. I'm trying to wake up way earlier nowadays. And do yoga and meditation. Is this a January thing? Is this a bit like us not drinking? It's, uh, oh, I started in December. So okay. that's good. good. That's yeah. a good start, right? I was like, no, I'm going to start now because I'm not going to wait until January to do it. And I'm succeeding so far, which is good. I'm doing about three times per week yoga and meditation. And it's very impressive how much my mind stay much more focused when I do that in the morning. Because I, I, get, I get to the office like 10. So I do the yoga, the meditation, have breakfast, etc. Go to work, go to the office, 
spend a lot of time on my laptop, uh, going back to back and meeting sometimes. So lots of meetings, and that's it, right? So just that's meetings, my laptop, day. Meetings, meditation, laptop. and yoga. <laughs> you what was a boring life, uh, but but no, but I. I I also I'm also trying to optimize a lot my schedule uh-huh. to be doing external meetings all in one go at the same day, yeah. so that I can spend days in the office that people know that I'm there. They know they can talk to me for whatever reason, emergency, whatever. Mm. And other days that I'm out either filming for Bita Luca or doing podcasts like that, yeah. or you know doing other things. The that many external. many media commitments that come with running Too a successful many. business. Yeah, I must yeah. admit, I remember when we when we caught up a, a while ago, and you were telling me at the time that you were trying to be more clear and, and saying no more. Yeah. I remember that was one of the key things that I took away from our conversation that day. Yeah. You were like, I'm trying to say no more. And yeah. especially someone like yourself where, you know, you've got busy and so many things going on. And I think anybody listening to this, you know, we've all got so many things going on, but it's sometimes difficult to say no. Yeah. That, that, that FOMO, and I'm definitely one of them, right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to miss out. If there's, if there's something going on, I'm, I'm, I've got to go just to see what's happening. But I think in terms of a lesson for people, like, how have you found that? Have you, is, it, is it still part of you now? Is it... Yeah, it's uh, it's tough, but I I actually have very clear what are the f- the four things I have four things that I look after in my life right now that are my main priorities for work. Right. And I'm just talking about work because I have other priorities for my family and etc. Right. Yeah. So I look well. First of all, is Bossa Studios, right? So that's my main priority. Second is Bita Luca, my mm-hmm. YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Third is I just started to do a little bit of angel invest- investments. Right. So I'm very selective, but I'm learning slowly. Yeah. Fourth one is actually being more available to do speaking gigs. Ah, okay. Because I noticed that with this behavior of being on my laptop most of the time, I'm literally, you know, so embedded into what I'm doing that I'm not talking to other people, people. enough. And you know, sharing the message to wider world, and, and I really like speaking in public. So, and I want to get better at that all the time. So, these four things are the things that I mostly say yes to. Yeah. And everything else, if it's not related to that, I I usually say sorry. That's not something that would be ideal for me right now. Right now, because yeah. I'm doing those four things. And you know what's magical about that? There's always a response saying, "Oh my God, that second thing that you said, I can help you with that." So right? you're very clear on what you're yeah. what you're working on and that steer helps. the conversation. Yeah. yeah. The person's like, "Okay, let me help you with that thing." It's like, "Okay, I did not expect that out of yeah. my no, but you know, it helps." So if if this if there's someone listening to this, and as we said before, we hit record. The Do More Good podcast is, is, is meant to be obviously around representing the charity sector, but also that whole umbrella of doing good. We wanted to share some positivity and share some stories from inspirational people such as yourself. If there's someone listening to this that's maybe got that idea but hasn't taken that plunge that you've taken four times, what bit of advice would you, would you give to them? I have a video just for that. Oh, <laughs> here we go. Seriously, I think there are a few questions that they need to ask themselves. And... Possibly the first one is, are you able to save some capital before anything? Mm. Because you need, if you want to go into starting your own company, likely you won't have any money coming for, let's say, six months to a year of your life, right? So planning is very, very fundamental from the beginning. Save some money and then you, you're ready to go 
and be a risk taker to start something new. But I think that from a mindset perspective, there are quite a lot of questions that you need to ask yourself if you're that kind of person, right? So if you're a great communicator, if you're a great collaborator, if you can, if you already have high levels of resilience or you are very much willing to build that on the go, right? So these are the, the key things that you need to ask yourself if you already have that or if you're willing to, you know, to be in a very high steep learning curve to, to learn very fast. No, that makes sense. Yeah, and I guess in terms of the charity sector, that still applies. If you have, if you have a project or an idea that you want to apply there, you still need to go and secure the funding for that from whoever is the budget holder and then be strong enough to push that idea through and communicate that. So it's not necessarily just about going off and doing something on your own. It's also about any project that you might want to run within your organization as well. I would agree so. And it's uh, if, you, if you are in an organization and you want to be, I'm not even sure if this word exists, intrapreneur, like internal entrepreneur. Oh, Let's I like that. It, yeah, it's Is a thing now. Such a in, word. Yeah. Entrepreneurial. <laughs> in, yeah. Entrepreneurial. That's good. Well, I'm, right, write that down. <laughs> write that down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the leaders of the organization, what they probably want to see is someone who's very passionate about a, an idea and, and, the, and have the determination to push, push something forward, right? End to end. And being able to fight for budget for that is very crucial, which is crucial as well for every entrepreneur to know how to raise funds, right? How to pitch your idea in the proper manner so that you can get the, your supporters and funders to also buy into what you're doing and support you along the way. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think from, from my personal experience, having worked in a, a charity and most recently a, not, a not-for-profit, um, both of which I think in, in the job titles asked for an element of entrepreneurialism when I applied. They, they were looking for that. And I think that's a, a trend that we're probably seeing in, in more charities, in, in more businesses generally, where they don't want someone just to come in and necessarily fill a gap and, and complete a process and do a task. They want people to come in, think differently, be passionate, disrupt, try new things, be innovative. And so and, and go back to that very first point we made, spot gaps and improve processes and Yeah. Yeah. And so you've just got to have the passion and energy and drive to kind of push that through and I think that's sometimes difficult, right? It's sometimes difficult to have that confidence in yourself when you haven't necessarily got anyone alongside you. So I know actually in one of your videos you talked about a co founder identifying a co-founder is, is really key. And actually, that probably applies to this. If there's someone out there that's in a charity, has a brilliant idea, maybe doesn't necessarily know how to execute as well, but they have the idea, go into your charity, find that person, have conversations, speak to the person that has some other skills that's maybe complementary to yours, that can share your passion and vision, and then use them to collectively take that idea forward and hopefully persuade the powers that be that it's something worthwhile investing Yeah, I guess in. we always tend to think of entrepreneurs as being kind of lone rangers out there on their own forcing their idea through. But as you say, collaboration and finding a team that can take your idea forward is just as important. Exactly. And to me, it's like dating. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you, you, will, <laughs> you will probably talk to 20 people in your organization about your idea. 
and one and two are gonna say maybe and maybe one is gonna say yeah I'm in with you I'm gonna do something and then you might find out that that's not the right person after you work with them for a couple of months in the project they're not as keen or as passionate as you are you gotta break and up and then you break up oh. right? <laughs> would you do that by yeah. text you just and text you're like, yeah. you're like well Email. that's not working and you keep, keep trying to search for the right person right so yeah. And then you bump into them in the canteen six months yeah. later and you, you're getting an award for the thing that you did. <laughs> oh. or, they've to- or they've stolen your idea, rebranded it and called it their own. Yeah. And they decided to drop you. Oh yeah. my God. Maybe. That's like dog eat dog oh. situation. There's got to be a TV show here somewhere, hasn't right. there? Right? Little, we call it entrepreneurial Island. dating. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. That'd be good. So... As we've said already, Roberta, the majority of our audience probably is in the not-for-profit world, charity sector, and we're always looking for the next big things to help us having more impact on the causes that we all work for and and contribute. In terms of your background in tech, and obviously you've been around tech for quite a while now, is there anything you're seeing in tech or in gaming, because obviously your your business is is in gaming, that you think can help charities or not-for-profits communicate their impact better? or maybe can help the third sector more broadly? I think there are are a few things that could be done. So one of them is the realization of where the the new consumer is, right? What are they consuming? So if you look at millennials, Gen Z, etc., where are they right now? They are watching videos on YouTube. They are on Instagram. They are on Snapchat. They are playing games, lots of games. They are watching people playing games on Twitch. So all of these channels, they are massive opportunity for charities to go and reach out new audiences there, right? To either through a collaboration with a, with a YouTuber, with a streamer, with, a, I don't know, with someone who's an influencer on Instagram. So I think these are very good tools and good entry points for charities to to be seen and be engaging with a whole new audience that they never usually engage. And these people have huge audiences, don't they? Right? The number of yeah. followers that people have. I mean, it's even more than you, Kenneth. What? Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable I w- numbers. I was, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I ex- came across a YouTuber recently. I think she's got um, maybe almost 2 million followers on YouTube and she's doing some fundraising. But all of the donations on her page are relatively small. So, you know, we would, as as fundraisers, you would look at what was the average donation on your page. And, you know, typically it would be 15, 20 pounds, you know. And probably if we were going to support one of our friends, we'd put 15, 20 pounds, whatever it is. This person who had a massive following on on YouTube, the donations were one and two pounds or 50 pounds. You know, they were small because the generation that you're referring to obviously at the moment don't have the spending power of of the millennial generation. But you get two million... But you get two million people and it all adds up. You get reach, exactly. And especially when charities are looking to, you know, spread their message, raise awareness of these causes, that reach becomes a lot more valuable than a one or two pound donation, right? Exactly. And, And there are so many very interesting collaborations happening nowadays. Just today, I was super impressed with that. Do you guys know who Marshmallow is? He's a DJ. Okay. Oh, God, I feel like oh, oh, no. so uncool. <laughs> oh. So, Marshmallow basically is a super cool DJ. That who, explains it why we don't yeah. know. Yeah, he dresses as a marshmallow. So, he, he has like a hat, which. Wasn't, a he in, wasn't he in the Ghostbusters film a few years ago? <laughs> was, that, was that. 
No, sorry. I think I think he's very young. Oh, okay. <laughs> Probably not even heard of Ghostbusters. <laughs> yes. Okay. And so basically, he's super famous with you know Milenius Gen Z, etc. Right. And he's basically gonna be playing inside Fortnite tomorrow. Oh, really? Uh, tomorrow, no, Saturday. Okay. okay. For the first time, so basically, Fortnite is this huge game that yeah. is like being played by every kid in the world, right? Yeah. And they are going to be hosting Marshmallow inside the game as a live event inside the game. You know what? You know, that's, that's, that's crazy. It's amazing, right? It's absolutely crazy. So those, those ideas and those things, technology nowadays, technology allows us to do those things. And then... It's, it's just a matter of understanding the possibilities and then saying, how about there is a collaboration here that we can match A with Z that would never be able to do that before. And nowadays, games allow to do that and technology is allowing us to do those kind of things. Yeah, yeah and gaming as a, as a fundraising tool itself has, has grown. It's still a fairly small slice of the pie at the moment, but that's definitely growing, isn't it? When I said we were meeting you tonight, one of the guys in the office said, oh, you must mention the guy who did Donkey Kong, played Donkey Kong for about 50 hours and raised 350 grand. Oh, really? I mean, you've got to play Donkey Kong for 50 hours, which is, <laughs> that's an endurance event. <laughs> that sounds it? like, that's a proper endurance but event. I couldn't help but think then grand. when you were talking about uh, Marshmallow playing in um, Fortnite, maybe the uh, fire Festival guys should have put on their, their festival oh in God, Fortnite. Totally right. <laughs> Right? Maybe that would have been a... Yeah. I just they watched went that. too old school, right? They went too, too old, old school, school, right? They tried to actually do a physical event. They should have gone to Fortnite. It would have been better. Yeah. But, uh. <laughs> so I see on your website, you have a quote. I'm going to quote you directly now, Roberto. Oh, my God. I founded a multi-million dollar BAFTA award-winning company. Now I want to inspire other women to help shape our future. And, and that kind of leads nicely on to your, to your YouTube channel how you're hoping to kind of give something back and, and inspire the next generation to really, I guess, embrace the opportunities that are available to them. We're so lucky in this world that we live in that there is opportunity everywhere, but it's just about giving people the inspiration to actually go out in there and do it. Can you talk a little bit about why you founded the channel and your mission behind it? So I, I went through a process of being more and more shocked about all of the stats regarding young girls doing STEM uh, at university or opting to do STEM grad uh, degrees, right? right? Do you call STEM degrees? Right. So STEM degrees and and the low amount of women also going to apply to jobs at BOSA and in games as a general, right? And also the more I digged into that, the more I understood that there's a whole process, a whole contextualization of decision making for these girls that at some point they look at technology and entrepreneurship and everything becomes very daunting to them and they don't think that it's creative enough for them. So they end up opting to go to uh, work in creative industries that are like fashion and design and etc. Because they don't see things related to technology as being creative. On top of that, there's a massive thing on the media. So there's a research made by Unilever that only 2% of the, the, all of the adverts on TV show women as an intelligent person. 2%. So low, right? 2% show 2% women as an intelligent as person. As an intelligent person, exactly. Really? Because, mo- right, just think about that. In a minute, you think, oh, yeah, w- women showing their hair, women showing their whatever, ah, like okay. the shoes, etc. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing about showing them as 
smart. Yeah. And so I think there's a there's a whole contextualization of the reason why girls are like, well, maybe that's how it can be successful is to be like that woman, right? To be how like you know an influencer who's just showing all of the shoes that she's wearing. And going to YouTube and just looking at stuff that are related to makeup, right? Yeah. Because that's their, what they see, they perceive, perceive as successful women. And so, long story short, it was like, how can women like me, not only me, but women like me, how can I create some sort of a movement that we can start showing more women out there who are smart and start sharing more information and things and learnings of things that I have been learning through my life, right? Yeah. It fits in really nicely with, I mean, you'll obviously have listened to our episode on diversity, but similar to what Peter Lewis was saying around having role models, that, that young people coming through can see people from their class or ethnicity or gender in senior positions. And they, oh, I could do that as well then. Yeah. Actually, that's a really powerful tool. It's, to it's relatability, right? Yeah. Even if we don't use the, 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 the word role model, it's relatability. I, I, many times at BOSA, women who we hired came to me and said, oh my God, I really wanted to meet you. And I was so happy to be interviewed by BOSA because when I saw you and the other women that you have in the company, I can see that you are diverse. And I want to work in companies like that. It's quite a nice start to a Monday right? morning, isn't it? Someone That's pops amazing, over to you in the right? kitchen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's so cool. Yeah, it yeah. makes me feel amazing but also it makes me feel that the more we do that the better we're going to move the needle quicker right so there are very practical actions we can do and the youtube channel Bita Luca is about that as well is to be in the place at the place where these girls are so that they can see you know that there is a possibility for them if I me with my broken English <laughs> if I can do that it's like seriously there's no excuses right you can do it you can and learn then, and you can yeah. go and, 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 go I'm, and I, I mean I would recommend anybody listening to, to check it out and of course we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes but I mean they're really well done you're, you're really executing them well I mean your presenting is, is brilliant but the messages I mean we both watched a few I've obviously watched them over the last year and some brilliant messages and I think it's I mean, it's great to show, and I'd love my daughter to be watching it and, and, and understand it and take away the key messages. How do you plan to take it forward over the next two, three, four months, years? That's a very good question. I do have big objectives for that, but I, right now, I'm don't keeping. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm keeping low key. It's not that I, I don't want to share, but it's like I. I w I'm in the phase right now that I'm doing a lot of experimentation. Yeah. So I want to find the right tone, the right audience, the right content. And and then from there, then I have other plans to turn the volume up. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's just a matter of timing. And but is your background in, in gaming helping with connecting with that audience? Because we're probably talking about... Uh, what would be the demographic, the ideal demographic for your videos? Where would you like to go? Are we talking 15 to 25 Yeah, ideal demographic is yeah, 17 to 25. So like... Yeah pre-post university degree yeah. uh, the moment that they are choosing their career yeah. or the moment that they just graduated like now what mm. should I go and start a company should I go and learn to be a better entrepreneurial <laughs> 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 I won't be able to say this word ever again yeah what should I do How? What, what is the passion that I should be pursuing and then hopefully all of this value 
all these val valuable lessons that I'm sharing might help them spark some ideas in their brains and give them the right motivation to follow through the dreams that they have. Yeah. Okay. So you're talking here about, about being a bit of a role model and a being maybe a mentor to some people. Do you have mentors? Do you have any particular role models that maybe you've met or not met and you know do you follow yeah, those guys? so I, I have well my biggest role model is my mom sounds like Kenneth too actually it's so funny because you know okay sidetracking here the John Lewis advert last year when Elton John got the, his first piano right yeah, 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 and everything yeah. changed when I was 15, my mom gave me a computer. Really? And everything changed, right? Okay, spoiler alert. John Lewis <laughs> advert next year. Here we come. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Maybe in 10 years time. <laughs> so that was that. It was like, it, it was literally a very big milestone that I, sa I saw all the opportunities that I could have with that little gadget, right? And, I mean, at that time, it was a big gadget. They weren't so little back in those days. What kind of computer was it, actually, out of interest? I'm going to tell my age. I know, exactly. Although someone put me on Wikipedia recently, and they put my age there, I was like, so many years not telling anyone my age. Don't worry. It was a Spectrum? It was a Pentium... 75. Pentium 75. Oh, that was a good one, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, that was, that, that it was, was a really good one. That was good, actually. Back yeah. I think I had a Pentium 50 or something like that. So, yeah. <laughs> right. But, yeah, so so I think, going back to the remote, so my mom, I also have mentors. So I have one, a very dear mentor of mine. It's funny because I have mentors for particular things. And I have a mentor who helps me to understand better about angel investing. Yeah. Which is something I want to learn more yeah. over the years, in the, in the next few years. Yeah. So it's great to have him as my mentor because I bounce ideas and he challenges me all the time about the decisions that I make and etc. I have also, I'm not sure if I should call him a role model or, I don't know, a, a, a hero or whatever, which is David Bowie. And hence, I quite like that too. Of yeah. course, the earrings. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's quite nice to have somebody think. What, what would David Bowie do in this situation? Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. No, exactly. And it's so funny because you it used to be, be it used to be Richard Branson, but then I evolved from there. I was like, well, he's very daring. He did a bunch of things. He created a bunch of businesses, right? But David Bowie has such a was so much more bold, so much bolder yeah. on the way that they were purposely. Killing, killing his personas over time to recreate something new and to evolve into something that would surprise new audiences and would bring a fresh take in, yeah. in his music that to me is very, very inspirational. Just to prove we do watch your videos, so I watched the one on finding a mentor. Mentors is something that we're hearing around probably everywhere now, right? People are talking about mentors, but by specifically in the, the charity and the not-for-profit space. Can you talk through a couple of the points you made in that video about how to find a mentor? What would be the top three things that you would tell someone? Uh, firstly, I think you need to define what you want to be mentored on, right? right. So what is the subject that you want to learn or you want to be challenged on? And then there are many ways for you to find these people, right? So let's say that you, you, want, to be, you want to be better at digital marketing. LinkedIn is a great tool for that. So you search for that and there's going to be tons of digital marketers in the world uh, that you can approach and then try to build a relationship with them. Meetups, so going to different meetups and, and finding like-minded people who are actually people who are searching to learn more about their particular subject. 
I think also, in addition to that, is to find a way to kind of, you want to build a relationship with a person before you say, would you like to be my mentor? It's like, I, I think I never asked a mentor to be my mentor in my life. It was it's back to that sort of dating approach again. Yeah. You're kind of sussing them out first. Yeah, exactly. Don't so, move in straight away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't move straight away. You don't say, shall we have kids and get married? I, and I think building this relationship will also give you an insight if one, this mentor is the right one for you at the right time. And secondly, if they care enough about mentor you on the things that you want to be mentored on, right? Something that I learned over the years was exactly that. It's like... Yeah. Ask people to help you on stuff. Yeah. Ask things. The the word, the know you already have, right? So if you don't ask, you already have the know. Yeah. So you might as well try because you like might you have were an saying earlier, yes. How nice it was for people to approach you in the on their first day and say it's really nice to to work with you. It must be really nice for someone to say, actually, I feel like I can learn a lot from you. Can you give me some advice? I've, you know, we've been kind of flirting with each other for a little while now. We follow you on all your social media accounts. Actually, I'd really like to learn from you. I think I could learn a lot. No one's going to say, no, no. No, no I don't want no, to don't teach want to do that. anything. Well, but actually, yeah. maybe it's not in my four things at the moment, so <laughs> no. <laughs> that's going to bite me forever. <laughs> I'm glad we, I'm glad we slotted into one of the four. That's, that's all I'm going to be on the internet forever. <laughs> I think that was really useful. I mean, we've done about 40 minutes, and we, we like to try and keep these relatively short. I mean, we could sit here all night and, and talk to you about all of your amazing stories and insights and everything like that. But we normally finish off with a few quick-fire questions. Okay. Unfortunately, Roberta has seen these questions uh, beforehand, although she might not have made it this far down. I have not. Yeah, I'm <laughs> looking a bit blank. She's looking a bit blank. That's good. She didn't. Uh, so we'll go first. Okay, here we go. So if you could place an ad across Facebook, across the world, for one day, what would it say and why? I would say two things. One, life is too short. Second, enjoy every single moment of your life. Can I add three? Yes. Be bold. Yay! Yay! <laughs> I have been watching. Yes! <laughs> Uh, what is the one bit of advice that you've been given throughout your career that has really stuck with you? Oh my God, I've been given so much advice. Good or bad? Ooh, I don't mind. Oh, I like that. Good, bad, bad advice. Let's start yeah. with the bad. It's oh like, God, oh do you want the good news first or the bad news first? Oh, the bad. The What's the bad bit the, of the, ba the bad ones are like, it's something that women have a lot. It's like this, this, uh, there's always a challenge of doubting that you can actually you can actually do something that you say in the per to the person you can do it. Mansplaining, right? It's it's some. I, I have no I, I have no idea what that is. Sorry about that. You no know, idea. I no have idea. to say that. It's like, yeah, no, that's like the patronizing thing. Like, well, but how come you're saying that to me? Because that 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 that's like right. Yeah, that's okay. probably not a very good 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 piece of advice so that's that's the bad one that's the bad bit okay the good one I think it's uh, I had I went through a very very tough period with one of my companies one of my mentors came to me and said Roberta you can do better than that to me seriously that, that was such a good piece of advice wow, because yeah. it challenged me it was like 
oh my god he's so right yeah and i'm kind of but it you also know recognized your skills yeah. as well it was a and, nice and and like almost like becoming a victim because that happened da, 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 da. it's like come on roberta you can do better than that yeah and that is such a good thing to think about every now and then because when you're thinking through something that you're not you are trying to be better at if you if you question yourself and you challenge yourself to be better you immediately raise your standards yeah yeah i'm going to so say that to everyone tomorrow everyone i meet tomorrow <laughs> it's really no good. it's a good one because it just pulls you out of yourself a little bit yeah. doesn't it and like makes you reflect a bit yeah. more and actually yeah i can do yeah, better yeah, than that yeah okay and then the last one here so it's a podcast that's you know focused around people doing more good as the name would suggest What's your favorite story or of an inspiring individual that either you've met on your journey that's done something good for others? Jess Wade. Jess Wade. Jess Wade. She's a physicist. She does other stuff in her life, but and she's super young. I think she's like mid-20s or something. And she went there and said, "Wait a minute. There's a lot of high-achieving men on Wikipedia." majority of Wikipedia entrepreneurs and people and big executives are men but there's a lot of women who are knowing history and Wikipedia is history nowadays right and so she actively started to put to write profiles of a lot of women she knew who have achieved great things and put on Wikipedia and she created a whole movement around that really? she started doing that and now there's tons of girls all over the world doing that you know one and they have challenges right do one new wikipedia piece per week or whatever and then yeah, they yeah, all yeah. doing actively doing that for a lot of women could you write it's beautiful it's like a journal for society isn't it wikipedia yeah. it's going to be that it's going to outlive us all so sometimes it gets people's ages wrong though it, uh, apparently yeah apparently apparently i've heard i've heard so <laughs> <laughs> well Roberta, I think we can probably wrap it up there. I just want to say thank you so much for your time and coming on and, and sharing your passion and your energy and, and for being a good friend as well. Thank oh, you. Thank you. It's thank great you to see for, you. Thank you for inviting me. It's like oh, I love no. this conversation. Hopefully I managed to share some good value to your audience. Yeah. Was there any last message you'd want to leave for anybody just to say what they can do tomorrow or anything you want to leave anybody with? I think the, the message is... Do more good. Yeah, we've been waiting 23 episodes. We've been waiting 23 episodes. Oh, finally, <laughs> absolutely nailed it. So, where can people find you as well? What about Twitter, YouTube channel? So everywhere, everywhere. So, we'll link to it. All. Yeah, Twitter, Olika, which is an odd handle. Instagram, Beta Luca. Beta Luca. L U C A. LinkedIn, I'm there. there. Email, I'm find there. Find you everywhere. And you'll be on YouTube you'll be on slash Beta Luca. Fortnite this weekend as well. You're playing Mushroom Head. I will have to be there, right? Yeah. You've got to be there. I, I might I be there. I'm totally, be there. I I, I'm yeah. totally going to be there. I need to see that, right? It's right, the right. first thing. Well, well, folks, I think we leave it there. We're all going to prepare our outfits for Fortnite, <laughs> uh, Fortnite's big <laughs> DJ party. And learning the dances. I know the dancers. I've got your kids. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. actually, wait, wait a minute. Roberta's just getting up. She's flossing. <laughs> all right. Well, look, James. I'll see you soon. We'll do another one soon. We'll do. Yeah. All yeah. the best. Keep wearing those glasses. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. Before we go, quick quiz for you, Kenneth. Uh, Twitter. Do more good pod. Instagram. Do more good pod. Website. Do more good. Uk. Uh, reviews. 
please leave them on iTunes and all other good podcast providers are available. MySpace? Uh, little K Dizzle, still going strong? That goes in there. That goes in there. Every week. We don't need to do the others. That's great. <laughs> <A little bit. laughs>